It's good being with you. It's good seeing you. And um, it's great having you with us for the third week of our series called Table Manners. And I hope that uh, you might have learned a few manners over the course of the past two weeks. All right. But we're jumping into our first real manner that you have around the table of the Lord. Because the first two weeks, we shared something about the, the atmosphere around this table. And the first week we said, listen, you have a place at the table. Just say out loud, I have a place. All right, you're going to have to speak to me this morning. I know it's cold, but that'll keep you warm. All right. You have a place because of what Jesus did, not because of our own efforts and because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did. So we have a place around this table. And then last week we said, well, Jesus sits at the head of the table. And the way that we prove that he is the head, because we might say he is the head and he is in charge of our lives and we might call him Lord and Savior. But according to the Bible, the only way that you prove your love toward him is by being obedient to his commands. And that's, that's part of what Jesus said in, in Matthew 22 when they came to him. And we know this. Most of us will know this verse uh, that says, they came to ask him, what is the biggest command in the Bible? And he said, the first and the most important is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. All right. So most of us know that. But the way that we prove we love him is by doing what he says. Jesus actually said that, and we spoke about that last week, is that if you love him, you will do as he says. But then Jesus goes further when they asked him this question, so what is the biggest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then he says, but there is a second one that is equal to that. So they're on the same level. And he says, love your neighbor as, as you love yourself. And this is one of the, I think, most obvious things that we sometimes forget is when we are invited to the table of the Lord, we aren't sitting there alone. We have been invited to the table with the people that we're surrounded with. People join you at the table. And so this morning, we are seated at a feast table. As we gather on Sundays, this is, a, this is a big feast table, and there's a lot of people around this table. You might not know everybody, but there are certain manners around this table. Now, let me just take a detour for one moment. I think that our idea of gathering around the table in the modern church culture has been somewhat warped because we see this. We gather on Sundays and someone stands in front and teaches or preaches and uh, you have hopefully a good show, All right? <laughs> but that's not always the way it was. Churches used to gather in homes like a family around a table because that's where life happens. And so maybe just as a side note, if you are not connected to a group, if you're not connected to a group of people in the week, what we call connection groups or what you might call home group or cell group or whatever group, if you're not connected to that, I really believe that you are not getting the full experience of what it means to sit around the Lord's table. And so I highly encourage you 
Maybe give up your name at the info, you know, send us an email or something. We'll connect you to a group because that is really where life happens. And there's numerous studies that have been done on the benefits of eating around a table. So hopefully in the last two weeks, you might have shifted a few things in your life, in your household, to eat around the table, to sit and chat and to discuss things and look one another in the eye and say, hey, how are you doing? But as we've said in the last couple of weeks, when we're gathered around the table, there are certain manners. Who of you grew up with specific table manners around the table? All right, we had a few manners. Let's see if you can uh, recognize any of these manners. Don't chew with your mouth open. Thank you. It is one of the most irritating things to me. All right, so if you bought a pancake outside, just, you know, don't chew. <laughs> or don't sit with your elbows on the table. Who still has those rules? All right. Don't stretch across the table to get something. Who still has those rules? All right. You ask and then it passes around the table to get to you. We all have these rules, these manners around the table that socially is acceptable and that's the way that we grew up and maybe you grew up in a different setting you might have some different rules but all of us had a way of acting around the table and so today we're talking about the first and the most important rule when gathering around God's table and we call it the golden rule if you forget any all the other rules you need to remember this one right so look at someone next to you and say pay attention because I, I really believe that today, and I trust God that through His Spirit, He will empower you and help you, not just to hear some theoretical, theological message today that applies to church, but something that might assist you in every single area of your life. And the first and most important rule is what we already said. Etienne mentioned it. In the worship you just mention it when we recall the words of Jesus in Matthew 22 but the first and most important rule is love others now here's the problem with that it is one of those things that we hear so often that we sort of sometimes feel like no we know this can you just get to the deeper stuff, you know, the, the bigger revelations. And I, I often hear this when people say, no, they want deeper revelation of Scripture. Um, and my counter argument to that is, well, I understand what you're saying. You're not actually saying you want deeper revelation. You want more intellectual pursuits of Scripture because you can't get deeper than the God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, loving you so much that he gave his son so that you can live. How much deeper do you want to go? That is seriously deep. But you see, even the deepest things become usual stuff to us. So we know it and we say, yeah, well, we know that. Can we get to other things, you know? But today we're going to talk about this one thing. Because even though it might seem like being basic, Usually, we forget the basics. 
And I'm not going to tell you, you know, why love is so important and what love is. And I hope to give you some practical tools in your hand to use every single day. And love is crucial for two reasons. Love is crucial because it proves what is inside of you. If you call yourself a child of God, love is the proof that you are. And we'll, we'll get to a verse that pretty much says it bluntly just now. But I want to turn your attention to Luke chapter 6, verse 44. It says, a tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never, never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. Sometimes when Jesus teaches things like this, it is so obvious that you might want to say, yes, so. But it's usually in the obvious that we miss the greater teaching. Because Jesus isn't only referring to botanical aspects and saying, well, you know, this is how plants work. If you didn't know, if there's a fig tree, you're going to find figs there. And we're like, oh, yes, that makes sense. Now, Jesus is saying on a spiritual level, and if you're taking notes, you need to write this down, we are measured by our fruit or by our actions and not by our intent. I hope at least for one amen there. All right, but, but fine, we'll, we'll get there. Maybe you missed this because we measure ourselves by our intent. We intend to do things right and we do them wrong and then we, you know, we're sort of offended when people take us on about that because our intention was right. And this happens often in relationships. We react in a certain way that is not conducive to the relationship, and so we get pushback on that, and then we want to push back because our intention wasn't that. But Jesus says, you get measured by the fruit of your life, by your actions, not by the intent, because you can be a fig tree with the greatest intent to produce bananas. You're not going to produce bananas. You can pray every single day. You can say, Lord, make me a banana tree. Now, I want to, and I know I'm a fig tree, but can I just produce a single banana? It's not going to happen. So, love proves what's inside. But here's the thing because out of our own, we cannot really produce the kind of love that God expects. We can produce romantic love and loving actions and emotions and all of that, but the kind of love that God talks about, this all-surpassing type of love that he expects from his people gathered around the table, we cannot produce that. This is why you need him. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says this. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Just look at someone and says, the Holy Spirit produces fruit. 
You see, this is what happens when you start following God. In our own effort, we can try and we can try and we can try, but it's the Spirit of God in you that renews something, and it is the Spirit of God that produces something out of you that you can't do on your own. And so if we, if we look at Galatians 5, verse 22, it mentions the fruit. And, and we've, we've grown up knowing and, and saying that, you know, that there are nine fruits of the Spirit, and it's, it sounds like this. Carries on, it says, this is the kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, if you've attended our Three Colors of Love course, you might have heard the following. But in the original languages, there were no uh, punctuation marks. No commas, no points, no exclamation marks, no nothing like that. So any punctuation mark that you read in Scripture is already an interpretation. All right? Somebody has interpreted, and you know that a punctuation mark can change the meaning of a sentence. And so we can interpret this a little bit differently. We can do this. If you've got your Bibles and you've got a newer translation, probably there is a, a colon next to the word the kind of fruit that he produces in our lives in front of the word love. Well, if we just move the colon to behind love, it makes a little bit more sense in the, the broader scheme of Scripture, which says the following. This, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love. Colon. In other words, peace, joy, self-control. Because doesn't 1 John 4 say that God is love? If he is the God of love, then the primary fruit that the Spirit produces in your life should be love, which translates to things like peace and joy and self-control and goodness and kindness. I like that interpretation a little bit more. Because it is the Spirit of God that produces that kind of fruit in your life. It's not your own effort. And so when you start loving in that way around the table of the Lord, it is evidence that the Spirit of God resides in you. So it proves what is inside. But love also proves which family you come from. Have you ever met someone and they gave their surname and you just knew what you were in for? Have you met someone like that? You know, hi, my name is Emil Stain, and you're like, oh, the Stains, oh my goodness. You know, this, oof. or maybe another surname, you know, hi, um, my surname is Fanamerva from Fanabel Park, you know. Ooh, the Fana Mervis from Fana Bell Park. Sometimes our family name reveals a certain couple of traits regarding our lives. And Jesus says this, John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. 
And you can turn there so long. We're going to read it in a second. Because he describes something of the family trait of God's people. If you are part of this family, if you're seated around this table, he describes a family trait. And someone once said this, what walks in the father runs in the son. And I just see all the men here. Who of you have begun looking more like your dad the older you got? To my own disappointment. <laughs> I told the story in the first service as well, but I remember about a year or two years ago, I can't remember, uh, I was very proud of the fact that everybody when I was young always said I looked like my mother because I thought, okay, then I'm, at least I'm a little bit prettier than my dad, all right? And then I was standing in front of the mirror one morning, you know those mornings where you analyze yourself, you look at every single wrinkle and you look at every single pore and you look at your graying beard and you, know, you just look at yourself. And after standing there for a couple of minutes, I remember the only thing that I could get out after looking at myself was, oh, Johanstein. That's my dad's name, all right? And I realized I'm just becoming more like him. What runs in the father, or what walks in the father, runs in the son. And so when you introduce yourself or when, when people get to know that you are a Christ follower, they expect something from you. And I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of people dislike Christians. Because they expect a certain family trait, but they don't get it. And this is the family trait. Jesus says, John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Now, just pause there. Last week we said that Jesus sits at the head of the table, which means that if he gives a command, you don't really have a choice. This is not optional. Jesus is saying, if you are around my table, this is what I expect of you. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, listen to this, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It is the love that the Spirit births out of you that proves that you are a follower of Jesus. Not your own effort. Not the fact that you're trying to be morally superior and trying to act a certain way. It is the Spirit in you that produces a fruit that proves that you are of God's family. That's why love is so crucial. But now I want to get practical. Because I want, to, I want to give you three words when it comes to love in the biblical sense that will help you to achieve that in every area of life. It's not rocket science. So I want you to look to the person next to you. Right, look them right in the eye and you're going to repeat after me. You're going to tell them the following. Oh, great. Look at someone and say, get over yourself. Get over yourself. <laughs> I want you to remember those words because we very often direct those words at people around us. But I want you to tell those words to yourself today. Can I just get over myself? Because we live in a society that is so self-absorbed 
It's all about me. It's all about my comfort. It's all about what I want and what I want to achieve and where I want to go. And, and I really need to be in this place. And, you know, I'm a little bit more spiritually superior to you because I get up 10 minutes earlier than you to pray 10 minutes longer a day. And, and it's me, whatever it might be. And I'm not just talking about your relationship with God. I'm talking about our ability to love the people around us. We are very often so absorbed in our own lives that we have an inability to see the other person. And it's the first thing that love requires is humility. And we can talk about humility at length, and I'm not going to talk a lot about that, but I think one of the best descriptions of humility is in the words of C.S. Lewis. It says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's knowing who you are and knowing who, you, who, you've made, who God made you to be, but it's not thinking about yourself all the time. It is the ability to shift your attention and your focus to the person sitting across the table from you. To allow them to be heard and allow them to be seen. Iris Murdoch, a writer, said the following, love is the difficult realization that something other than oneself is real. So often we fail at this. And I know we're, we're talking about table manners and how we treat the people around this table, but specifically, I want to speak to you this morning, and I just sense God speaking to people that are in long-term relationships and marriages today, is that so often we have become so self-absorbed that we fail to see the person on the other side. Yes, we see their mistakes and we see their flaws and we see all that because when you're in that relationship, I mean, you're living really close. Can I just see who of us have no issues? No issues. Well, just ask my wife. She'll tell you I have no issues. Hey, we, we, we have issues, and can I just share the bad news with you? We are all broken. That's why we need Jesus. And we need his spirit to produce the fruit of real love in our relationships with one another. Because have you tried in your own strength to love your partner? I've tried. I know you've tried. And very often you're trying and it seems to make no difference. Have you experienced that pain? You try and you try and you try and you feel like nothing's moving. Why aren't they changing? Well, maybe God wants to turn the mirror back to you and say, stop focusing on them. What needs to shift in your life? Are you really listening to when they speak? And maybe you've experienced a little bit of, of this pain, all right? This is just 
I know it's not really that pain, but have you ever received a gift from someone you love that you really didn't like? Okay, if there's one thing that I don't like, don't buy me clothes on my birthday. And so the very first birthday that I had, two months before we got married, my wife bought me clothes. And she was extremely excited about the clothes because she loves clothes. And I was just plain difficult. <laughs> and she couldn't understand why. But you see, in that, in that little simple thing, there is a clue when it comes to the people that we're in relationship with. Very often, we give them what we think they need, and they've been telling us, I don't need clothes, I want AirPods. And it might sound silly, but often in our relationships, it's the same. We are so wanting to change things. We want to change things. We want to do the right thing that we often fail to see that there's a log in our own eye. We see the splinter in the other person's eye. Isn't that what Jesus said? Because love first requires Humility, the ability to look at yourself and say, hey, I am broken too. Jesus, won't you put your spirit in me so that real love can come out? Can I listen to the other person? Can I pay attention? Can I really hear what they're saying and reach into their soul? Or am I trying to force something into them that's never there? What does that look like in your life? Because that is what love is. It's not only just humility, but when you reach the point of humility, you get the ability to do something else, and that's act like Jesus. What did he do? He extended beyond himself. That's why I said, get over yourself. I know you've got issues. I know you've got worries. I know you've got stresses. I know things are terrible maybe at the moment and you don't understand why they're happening. But listen, if you really want to love, you need to be able to extend beyond your comfort zone, beyond yourself, and look to the other person and say, hey, all these things, all myself, I'm just putting aside for a second. How are you doing? And really listen. And the Bible is really practical about this. It's not all, you know, spiritual and we get down on our knees and we pray against stuff or whatever. Sometimes it's just really practical. 1 John 3 verse 16 to 19 says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. What is he saying? We understand real love because someone stepped across the boundary on my behalf. He did it for me. He did it for you. Where are you extending beyond your boundaries? And then he goes on, he says, so we also ought to give up our lives. What does that mean? Extend beyond the boundary of our own life for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. When we're seated around the table of God, 
whether it's a stranger sitting next to you today, whether it's a stranger sitting across from you when you're gathering in a home, or it's your spouse, or it's your child, God expects from us this one golden rule that we love one another, and that requires humility, and it requires the ability to extend beyond ourselves, and it is summed up in three words, get over yourself. As long as you are so important, you'll never be able to see past your ego, past who you are, and allow God to minister through you to someone. Allow the Spirit of God to produce love inside of you so that you can give out love. As we gather around this table, we extend beyond ourselves. And that's something that I dream of that I really believe we can be as, as a church family in Caladio. We often say this, that we're a community of love. That implies that we do stuff, like greet someone. And I know, you know, when it's minute to mingle, some of you are like, oh, can I just, there's a reason behind it. Because extending yourself implies crossing this boundary, crossing the threshold of yourself. And I know this is difficult, but that's why we don't do it in our own strength. That's why we trust the Spirit of God to produce that fruit inside of us. And so maybe today God is challenging you and saying, stop praying for the other person. Get over yourself and allow the Spirit of God to work something inside of you. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the struggles. I know I don't. But I know mine. Yes, but you are privileged, you know. You're a pastor and you grew up in a pastor's home and that just means that everything's fine with you. I wish it was. Man, if I can keep you busy with how broken I am. I'll keep you busy for three days, and the five days after that, my wife will take over and tell you how broken I am. I want to end off with this quote by the writer named Jean Unwill. It says, love is above all the gift of oneself. Jesus gave himself. That's what John said. We know what real love is because he gave himself. Maybe the person around this table of God with you needs you. Maybe your husband or your wife or your children just need you to extend beyond the boundary, to stop being obsessed about your own life and where you're heading and why things aren't working out for you. And listen, I know those are real concerns. I'm not, I'm not playing them down. I'm not saying don't ever think about those things. But are we able to get beyond ourselves, to get over ourselves enough so that people can experience the love of Jesus? That's what we do around this table. This is the golden rule. We extend. When we greet someone, we extend. When we pray with someone, 
we extend. When we sit and really listen and try to hear what the other person is saying, we are extending. When you motivate someone to move in their calling and say, hey, I see something of God in you, you are extending. When you allow your spouse to talk and you just keep quiet, even though you want to say a bunch of things, you're extending. But you need God's spirit. So maybe this is the challenge today and maybe this is what God wants to speak to you today. And I, in my preparation, I just knew that even though this is talk about being in Christian community, I really sense God speaking into relationships today. So before I leave you with two final questions, and it's just gonna be questions, I want you to close your eyes right now. Hey, and I know there are people sitting here that are hurting, that are angry because of the relationships that they're in. And maybe feel that the other person doesn't want to move and the other person doesn't want to do what I tell them. And I can see what they need to do. I understand what they need to do. I can see it, but they don't see it. Maybe God is challenging you today and saying, get over yourself. Maybe God is speaking to you today and saying, I want to put my spirit in you so that real love will flow from your heart, that it will create a humility in your spirit to think of yourself less, and I want you to extend beyond the boundaries. And trust God. Trust God for the miracle. Stop fighting the other person. Trust God for the miracle. And I know you might be sitting here and saying, well, I've been trusting and I don't know what to do anymore. Just carry on. Just trust him. Saying, Spirit of God, I need you. And so I want to pray specifically for relationships right now. I'm not going to ask you to stand, raise your hand, or do anything else. You can just remain as you are. But you know in your heart where you are. And so I want to pray with you today. And maybe just in your mind, just bring that relationship before God. You might be frustrated. You might be irritated. Maybe you see no way out. But God, this morning we speak to you. And we thank you. that it's your spirit inside of us that produces that fruit of love. And maybe we've tried too hard, Lord, to produce a fruit that we can't on our own. We've tried, and we've tried, and we've tried, and it doesn't seem to work, but this morning, Lord, we want to surrender to your spirit and say, Spirit of God, come fill our hearts so that the fruit of love might be produced through us. So in this moment, Lord, I pray for relationships. Relationships that are on the edge. Relationships that are struggling. Relationships that are 
weak. Father, that you will work. And it'll be a work of your spirit. Give us the ability to get over ourselves, even though that's really hard. Lord, we don't like looking in the mirror. We don't like seeing the things that you want to show us in our own hearts. We don't like that. Father, I pray for courage this morning to look inside, address those things first, and love in the way that you do, that we will extend beyond our own boundaries. Thank you, Jesus, for reconciliation and for healing in relationships this morning. I know that you are able. I know that you're willing. I pray that we will open up our hearts and allow you to work, allow you to speak to us. Thank you for the privilege of being around your table, Lord, and we hear about this one rule that you just want us to love one another. It might seem simple, but Father, it's tough sometimes, and we acknowledge that this morning, but we thank you that your spirit in us empowers us. We pray that in Jesus' mighty name, we all agree and we say, amen.